this I is think we give still. Chloe a lot of stress. Do you need help? Yeah, Chloe, Chloe you are we stressing We're you out? really stressful. No. <laughs> You're in a room with two home. future psychiatrists. <laughs> you mean three future psychiatrists? Oh, yeah, three. I said three. He's already one. I'm a current psychiatrist. <laughs> All right. Honestly, like, that's maybe up. a compliment. All right, you guys. Bring it in. Bring it in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bundle of Hers. Today, we have an exciting episode. We have our first interview of the season two. So that's exciting. And we have Harjeet in the house with me. Whoop, whoop. And our interviewee is Jackson Wong, who is a psych intern here at the University of Utah. Both Harjeet and I were fortunate enough to be able to work with him. So, hey, Jackson, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Good. Yeah. We're excited to have you here. And one of the biggest reasons I wanted to bring you on the show is something that you told me and uh, my classmate at the end of our rotation with you, um, which is just a little bit of like advice that you had. I remember you telling us this story about when you were a medical student just last year, which is hard for medical students to think of residents as being medical students, um, how residencies, the road to residency seemed to kind of be like a mountain but now that you're on the other side, you have a very different perspective. And for me, and the halfway point of third year, I thought that was really reassuring to hear. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing what you shared with us in your own words. Yeah. So kind of really speaking to that as a medical student, which I was, as you said, not very long ago, um, I distinctly remember how different residents seemed from where I was. And um, then all of a sudden, you know, you're a resident. You know, I just started uh, about six months ago. And the transition just sort of happens and you can't really stop it. And after being a resident for even just a little while, I realized, you know, you just always feel like yourself and have this revelation that I now try to share with my medical students, especially the third years, uh, which is that I very much felt as a medical student that my residents and you know, for that matter, my attendings, but my residents alone seemed like they were on top of this, this giant mountain. And I was standing at the base of it and kind of mm -hmm. staring up at this like cloudy snowy peak and seemed like this endless arduous climb that was like a tremendous amount of distance and then now that i'm an intern uh, admittedly just getting started in my residency uh, it really feels much more like a low grassy hill i can see all of you third year med students standing at the bottom of what really is not as steep an incline as it appears um and so that was a pretty powerful revelation to me because uh, it, it still feels very fresh in my mind that I was staring up the mountain, unsure of if I would ever really actually get to the top. So Jackson, you're saying that it's a hill. So <laughs> what creates that kind of difference between being at the base and then being at the top? Uh, I mean, it's just a process. Like when you're when you're starting out, especially at the very beginning of your third year of med school, you have you know no clinical experience, and all of your clinical knowledge, your medical knowledge, is purely theoretical and not practical and then you just start doing it you know every every day you just try to learn new things and do a little bit better and every rotation you learn a new facet of medicine by the time you're done with all of your core rotations you actually have this incredible body of experience especially because you do it you know sometimes 80 hours a week which is a pretty fast way to get hours in yeah and i, I found as i went through fourth year uh, it felt really different than third year and going through those motions, starting each new rotation uh, just felt easier and easier because you build on this knowledge and this experience in ways that you aren't even really, you know, you don't, you don't even notice that you're acquiring that experience. Mm -hmm. But I guess really what I'm trying to say is that it just keeps going. You do your sub internships and your elective rotations. And then, you know, to be honest, I was quite nervous for my first day of residency and 
having to sign the orders myself and all of that but it it's the same process that each day you just try to do a little better and learn new things and that process isn't any different you're just you know two years farther along I think it's what you said is really important to recognize that we are learning a lot. And sometimes in rotations, it feels overwhelming and we tend to focus on our grades and how we're being evaluated and these sort of like acute numbers and factors. And I feel like I personally don't take a lot of time to reflect on how much I actually did learn in six weeks on a rotation. But like, I think what you're saying is when you get to the end of third year, you can look back and be like, I actually did learn a lot, even though it was stressful and like what may seem like a really big mountain is now in my brain for more or less, right? In one regard of what you're saying um, is kind of how I'm interpreting it. And I think it's important to take a step back and look and be like, you know what? I am learning a lot. Maybe that evaluation I got wasn't the evaluation I wanted or the grade that I wanted. But at the end of the day, I walked away learning how to do a psych interview, learning how to treat a patient with acute kidney injury. And so I think we are learning a lot of these things. It just doesn't feel like it in the moment. Yeah, very much so. Um, I ended up doing 12 weeks in a row of internal medicine when I was in med school. And I remember the first presentations uh, that I tried to give were really, really terrible. I think it's a, probably a pretty common experience. And, you know, you spend a long time just trying to accumulate the information that you're going to want to talk about on rounds and then you just fumble through it and it's 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 awful mm-hmm. um but by the end of that 12 weeks you know i felt very confident um rounding and felt much more able to go through that task and kind of have the benefit of that relatively short period of time which admittedly felt like a really really long time and could turn around and see the progress and i think that's unfortunately kind of a rare thing in medical schools to have those moments when you can really see the progress Mm-hmm. Um, but the progress is happening because really effectively everyone makes it into residency and then becomes a physician and everyone does it the same way. This is actually my first time hearing this anecdote of the mountain versus the hill. Being a third year student, I don't know if it's innate in us or it's something that being in medical school and the culture portrays, but we very much feel like residents and attendings are so distant from us. And Sometimes that in turn, I feel like at least for my psyche is harmful because I am always feeling that I won't be enough. Like I said, it's very refreshing that you said it's just a hill because, you know, that struggle is there. So I kind of wanted to know your thoughts. Like, is this something you think is put into our minds or is it something that just exists within us? I mean, I think to a pretty great extent, it's both. The hierarchy of medicine is very real. It's sort of built into the structure that you start as the first year and the second year and work your way through. And then even the residents, you know, we have this very tiered system and even built into the language, you know, you're your chief resident or your senior resident or, you know, you're a junior resident. And there's this like very, very uh, distinct labeling system that almost like guarantees this idea of hierarchy. But there's also, especially within certain specialties or certain institutions, there is very real hierarchy. And as I've moved through it, I have mixed feelings about it, some of which it, it's a, a very efficient training model. And it's also a vis- very efficient model for taking care of patients sometimes. Um, but at the same time, I agree with you that it can be almost damaging in the way that it can instill a sense of inferiority or really make that perceived distance feel even greater than it necessarily is. Um, But I also think that some amount of it is kind of imposed on ourselves. Like there's some buy into that system. Mm -hmm. 
in part because like we all come up in it being being a pre-med and then on and on and it just depends you know i think we all get used to the system where it is very hierarchical because it's so clear and then in environments where it's less hierarchical it can be hard to establish your own view of your role in the process when it's not made explicit we all kind of have the tendency to default to the role that we're accustomed to when it was explicit in the more hierarchical models have you kind of found a way yourself to process that and not quote unquote buy into it um i think a part of it is that like the hill idea that i think the higher up you get the flatter it feels like the difference between or the difference that i feel between myself and my you know quote unquote senior residents and my chief residences uh experience more than any kind of intrinsic factor that i'm not so different from them they just have more knowledge than me but i you know i have this faith that uh, i'll just continue to accumulate the knowledge and level that that out even further until you know as i move through chronologically the the sequence you know i'm also moving through um to that point of greater knowledge so it seems a lot more hopeful on this side uh, i think in residency there's been a lot of uh you know turning around to recognize accomplishments and it feels much more kind of secure than it did as a med student where your existence always feels kind of tenuous i think that's a, a key word is tenuous and um, one thing I've noticed in terms of the hierarchy is the attendings and the residents I work with who kind of include me on the conversations and ask me to be a member of the team. I feel less of that hierarchy. And then there are teams that I work on where the attending usually doesn't even barely talk to me and it's mm-hmm. all interaction through the resident. Um, and those are the teams that I definitely feel the hierarchy. And so I think there are physicians now who are working against that old system, but it's good to remember that even when you're working with those doctors who may seem like they're way up on a mountain and, and not reachable is that they are just a human. And maybe, maybe there's something else going on in their life that they just can't open up in that moment or, or like a lot of healthcare professionals do struggle with anxiety and depression and whether that is innate or the career, you know, just selects for those characteristics or whether the system builds into it is a, a whole nother topic that we could explore too. Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring that up because I think for some people in medicine, that hierarchical structure is very comfortable because uh, the roles are so delineated. And then for certain personality types, um, that kind of slow accumulation of authority is like a very comfortable place to be. And then I think for other other people, it seems less important. And, you know, I've always appreciated that going through medical school myself. You know, I very much identify with what you're saying about residents that include you in the team and attendings that treat you as a member of the team. And to the extent that I can, I've really tried to adopt that method. Because honestly, at the end of the day, the hierarchy is intrinsic to the way that we practice medicine and who signs the orders and all of that. And I don't think it needs to be amplified, you know, in the interactions because, at the end of the day, it's my attendings call and then, you know, it's, it's my call and, you know, the med students and it just goes down this, this chain because of the way medicine works. And um, there's no real need most of the time to make that any clearer. I like how you say that because I think, I think the issue isn't that there's these levels of training because, you know, that's obvious. I don't have the experience a resident has or an attending has. But from my view, it looks like a very vertical thing, like, again, the mountain, rather than a horizontal thing, like I'm gaining more and more experience and I'm growing more and more. And how do we as med students going forward who are going to become residents 
and then teach med students and then become attendings who teach residents. How can we help with that process? You know, I have this uh, college professor who once told me you can't teach initiative, uh, which ironically uh, inspired me to try to find more initiative in myself. And I think it's this um, terribly double-edged sword as a medical student and that having a lot of initiative, um, you know, really taking ownership of your patients and putting your opinions forward in an environment that's sometimes even kind of hostile to that uh, is a way to advance yourself. And it's also a way to find your place in medicine outside the role you kind of intrinsically might default to as a more junior member of the team. But you have to be a little bit careful because for those personalities where the hierarchy is a very secure structure uh, that can really rub people the wrong way, I think. And a lot of that has to be about your own sense of feeling it out. I mean, I still go through this with my attendings um, that I, I tend to try to take a lot of initiative and take a lot of autonomy and be as close to the the attending as I can because uh, it's where I eventually need to end up. Um, but at the same time, you can tell when you're attending is a little prickly about that or giving you pushback. And, you know, it's kind of uh, the signal to fall into that hierarchical role a little bit more because, you know, the fact is like none of us are at the top. And so we don't get to call the shots. Medicine is a very pay it forward system. Uh, you know, no one gets into med school without a lot of help, whether that's from your, your family or your professors or doctors you shadow. No one gets through med school without a lot of mentorship from, you know, their residents and their attendings and a lot of support. And no one gets into residency without a lot of people helping them that they can never really pay back who write them letters and who um, were those those residents or those attendings that, you know, encouraged and inspired rather than, than you know, made it harder than it had to be. Um, and so I really encourage everyone who goes through this process uh, to remember the people who helped them along the way and then try to be that person because um, that's how we all get through it. Warm fuzzies after hearing that. <laughs> yeah. I have no issues with the system. Like I understand their steps to get to a place, but I think the way it's sometimes implemented, it becomes, there's a lot of questioning of self. All these feelings come crumbling down and then you have to move to residency. It's a lot of changes, right? How do you basically stay true to yourself throughout that process? I mean, I don't have one good answer um, about it, but I think medicine sort of innately attracts people who are pretty hard on themselves you know, to even walk in the door demands a lot of uh, a lot of effort. And so I think it draws in people who are very hard on themselves. And there's like a lot of internal pressure for these people. And I mean, me being one of these people, as we've kind of been alluding to this, this system also applies a lot of pressure from the outside. And some of that's the academic pressure. And some of it is the social pressure of this hierarchy. And always feeling like you're being evaluated and always feeling like you're not doing good enough. I mean, and really not doing good enough, it's something that's an impossible standard. You, when you've been a medical student for a few months and your attending's telling you that you're not thinking like they think after they've been doing this for 20 years. And I think when you take those outside forces and then you put them on someone who is you know, already pretty hard on themselves and it's almost a recipe uh, for, for cracks to form. Um, and, you know, then there's this whole, I guess, more biological factor of we're chronically sleep deprived people and we're, we're almost by nature of the system a lot of times denied the things that we previously relied on to keep us, you know, happy and sane. And it's this like multifactorial recipe that, that sort of almost guarantees, I guess, like spiritual hardship for lack of a better term, because this is all a, a nearly universal experience you know i think that there's those people who just sort of walk into med school and walk right back out and they thought it was just fine and 
but the, I think the majority of medical students at some time or other struggle pretty ferociously and have a lot of really kind of existential questions. And in, in what you just said, Jackson, and putting a face to that kind of point, I'll say like during family med, I felt very much that way. Like I was living in basically an on-call room in the basement of a clinic in rural Utah. And while I enjoyed the clinical duties that I had there, I would go home and I was or home, quote unquote, and I was isolated. I had gotten my grades back from um, the prior rotation and I wasn't as happy because, you know, you know, in evaluation or somebody said something and your test scores are never as perfect as you want them to be. And so I think all of those things, along with being isolated, sleep deprived and not like, in a totally different environment than where my comforts were prior, kind of led me to, in retrospect, probably to meet the criteria for a major depressive episode. And so what I found really difficult during that time was finding time to like schedule to meet with somebody. Right. Because like in my mind, I'm like, I know I'm not OK, but I have to work nine to five. And most counselors and therapists are not available outside of that standard time. And I know the school here does a good job of offering support to students. But I, again, I wasn't here. And so I think this is another contributing thing um, in our healthcare system is that we don't allow space for students or doctors or residents to take care of themselves, even if they know and recognize that they're not okay. And I think what Harjeet was getting at earlier, too, is how can we as medical students, when either we don't recognize it early enough, these um, factors that are weighing us down, um, or when we do recognize it, what can we do to ask? For help and like for uh, me personally it was helpful to talk to you all yeah. um and then going into psych i had like therapy every day so that was helpful but um i think it's a very real issue that not just me but i feel like a lot of our classmates are also experiencing at some point during third year you know i think the first and it sounds almost cliche and it's almost like a laughable thing when you're really in it but you know trying to hang on to those things you love and those people you love um especially when you are not able to do them as much as you used to be able to still for me finding time to do those things even if it was once a month instead of every week or even every couple of months but showing myself in a very real way that those things were still a part of my life and they weren't gone they were just dormant it's easier said than done you know i think the second thing is you know i just kind of talked about this external pressure and the the internal pressure and a lot of times in med school you just can't control the external pressure it's the unfortunate and it's very real fact of the process. But we do have some control over the internal pressure. And I think people who end up in medical school are rarely, quote unquote, good enough people. They're like, let's do our best people. Um, and like, I have to be perfect people. And even if that's not, not the defining traits of your personality, I think we all have some of those things or we wouldn't get where we are. And I think that um, some of it is learning to be a good enough person, learning to say, you know, I don't really care if I get a, a worse grade on this rotation. I don't really care if this particular attending, you know, doesn't think I'm a good thinker because like I know who I am um, and finding those places where you can cut yourself a little bit more slack um, because you do have at least some control over that side of things. And, you know, you can break the jar from the inside or the outside Um can always you can't always uh control the pressure on the outside but you can try to let pressure out of the inside um i guess the the third thing is as you touched on seek help when you can 
I'm a psychiatry resident, so I'm obviously very biased, but I'm a big believer in therapy. Um, I'm a big believer in, you know, medications if you need them. I'm a big believer in doing the things that you need to do to keep yourself safe and sane and, you know, happy to the extent you can be. It's a really unfortunate fact that in medical school, the residency rates of depression really exceed that of the general population. And and the rate of physician suicide um, is a very hot topic in medicine right now, but it's also just a very real thing that's existed for a long time. And there's a lot of factors in that we still live in a stigmatized world and a very stigmatized system where we're the helpers and we're the authority and we're the people that are supposed to have all the answers. And I think in some way asking for help or being on medications or people finding out that you see a therapist or a counselor is going to reflect negatively on you. And I guess in a way, I can't promise that no one in medicine will think that, but I think it is really surprising the farther you get, how many people start to be more vocal about, you know, the help that they have asked for and have received. And also you just find out that people are more happy for you than they are belittling or or anything like that. Actually, as I was uh, thinking about being on this podcast, reflecting on my medical school experience, that being done with it and having some distance from it, at times I suffered really greatly and, you know, had my own depressive episodes and times where the light at the end of the tunnel was, you know, seemed like it was not a thing that really existed. Um, and then at some point I was getting towards the end and I could see the light and got closer and closer. And then there's only a couple months left and then a couple days left. And all I could see was the light at the end of the tunnel. And then it was just over. And the thing that felt like it would never end that had been going on forever and would go on forever was over. Um, and looking back, you know, I can't reconcile it. I can't, I can't reconcile all of those really, you know, dark hours of the soul and, and sleepless nights and endlessly tired days. And then also all of the really powerful experiences and really amazing things and amazing friendships and patients that moved me and all of that positive. And, you know, still, and maybe one day this will change, but at least right now I can't reconcile those two halves in a pretty real way. I kind of have taken the good and the bad and put it in a box and, you know, just don't worry about reconciling it. The good news is if you just keep going, you get, you get to move on to the next thing. One of my great mentors, um, he was, a uh, like one of those dinosaurs of medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, he told me that William Osler died in the hospital that he was working in when he was a medical student. I mean, that could be a lie. Um, but that's what he tells people. Um, but one day he was teaching a, a small group and he kind of paused and looked at all of us and he said, medicine's a grind. It's the best grind, but it's a grind. And so you have to take care of your brothers and sisters. And I think that there's always this, um, I guess this idea that like, hey, you need to ask for help. You need to ask for help. You need to reach out if you need someone and it's okay to reach out. And all that's really true. And it is okay to ask for help. And if you can see that in yourself, you know, help is available and, and you should reach out if you can. But you know, I think anyone who's ever been trapped in those moments knows that it's not that simple and not that easy. And like when you're in the dark by yourself, it's hard to find the door. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of falls to all of us to really be not just colleagues, but, you know, people in this together um, and to not just be the, the person who asks like, oh, hey, are you doing OK? But to really, you know, see the friend or see the classmate who, you know, isn't doing OK and say, I know you're not doing OK. Like, do you need help? How can I help you? And I think we can all be at every level in training from medical students to attendings, you know, be more proactive in the way that we engage each other and when we see someone struggling. That was also a great plug for a prior episode where we talked about how asking 
um, let me know if you need help is not always enough. So we encourage you to listen to that episode as well to kind of explore why it can be hard to go beyond that. But um, I, I totally resonate with everything that you said, Jackson. It's really true. We do need to look out for each other. And as a pre-med, I feel like medical school is this like golden shiny thing. And you start it and you're so excited. And then first year is like, eh, it's okay. Or it's really not that great for some people. And then second year, for me at least, and for many people, is not is a horrible grind because of step one, this test that determines your residency, essentially. And then third year, you're like, it's going to get better. And it doesn't necessarily, like you were saying, there's good parts and there's bad parts. So I guess my point is that to take everything in balance, like don't think of medical school as all good or all bad, but the, more of like the balance, like you said, take the dark times and balance it with the good times and you'll come out the end, the light of the tunnel. And it probably won't seem as daunting and horrible in the end as it can at times. And then there's also really great times. So, yeah, I guess I'm really big on the idea that um, all of medicine is part of a, a single whole, you know, every specialty takes care of the same human. And that's why we're all here is to take care of the same patient just from different angles and different ways, but really try to find your happy place in medicine or whatever comes closest to it. You know, the thing that you can do for 20 years or 30 years, like the place where you're excited to go there, finding that place for yourself, whatever that looks like is good and not listening to the voices that tell you, you know, this is more prestigious or this pays more or whatever, because in the end, you know, it's going to be your life and it's not worth it to follow anything other than what actually makes you feel fulfilled and makes you feel happy. I love that you said that. That just makes me happy. <laughs> Actually, there is another question I have for you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but it's going maybe in a different direction. So, um, Jackson, you listen to our podcast. I do listen to your podcast. What's your favorite episode and why? <laughs> oh, man. Put you on the spot. Yeah, I've, I've really been put on the spot here. Yeah, no, I started listening to your podcast after, um, actually right after I worked with you because um, another med student said that he listened to it. I've actually really enjoy listening to your podcast uh, for two reasons. One, it's really thoughtful. And you, you all have very thoughtful discussions that are thought provoking. Um, and two, it is this sort of like voyeuristic way to re-examine some of the things I experienced in med school now that I have some distance from it, which has a lot of value in itself. An episode I really appreciated was the one about tokenism versus inclusion. Uh, I think that's a really big theme in medicine right now. And in my own medical school experience, I, I thought a lot about those themes, actually. And so in listening to it and hearing a very different you know, set of perspectives, you know, I almost wanted to, to you know, shout at my phone, like my, my thoughts about all of those things, too. But I don't know. There's been a lot of good episodes looking at a lot of important things. I just wanted that moment of like, he listens <laughs> to our episodes. Uh, yeah. A long time listener, like... first time guest. Okay. Well, we're so happy you came. We're so happy you uh you actually like sprinkled so many great thoughts in there, being supportive of one another, knowing that no matter what field you choose, you're still taking care of the same person. I think that was one of the best things I've heard on this podcast. Thank you, Jackson. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I very much appreciate the opportunity. Um, I guess a closing thought that I want to just throw in is I want to acknowledge that med school is really hard and it sometimes really sucks and it's okay to hate it. You know, I think that there's this this whole ideology like this is such a privilege and you should be grateful every single day that you have this opportunity. And it is a privilege and it is an opportunity, but sometimes it really sucks mm -hmm. and it's okay to 
to acknowledge that, but it was also really worth it for a lot of people, maybe even for pretty much everyone, it gets better. Those are great parting thoughts, I think. We don't have Busha to close. <laughs> oh, actually, you know, Busha's in the studio. For no. sure, you should close for us. Busha's also the medical student I'm currently rotating with. So, <laughs> What up, what up, what up? <laughs> what am I saying? Just close it. Okay, everybody, if you have enjoyed this episode like I have, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Bundle of Hers. And until next time... Bye-bye. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you.